of like dragon like sun my name is jack outway and i am jay outway and today's episode of the father son podcast talking father about son podcast where we talk about dungeons and dragons we are discussing D adjacent materials that we'd like to share with you all i don't think they're i mean that adjacent i mean they're kind of i mean they're not official rules but again rules that i you watch a super talented uh dungeon master like brennan lee mulligan uh who you might know from various actual plays, mm. um, including guest appearances on Critical Role. Uh, he and a couple of other superstars, uh, Bria Isengard, Isengard, um, uh, Erica Ishii, and uh, Lou Wilson. Wilson, thank you. Um, they've got a little little uh, audio um, mm. podcast, um, Theater of the Mind. Uh, with really cool, like, uh, extra sort of foley and music and stuff added into it uh, called uh, Worlds Beyond Number. I've and, He's been telling me all about this. And it's it's super enjoyable. I've been loving the heck out of it, mm-hmm. um, even though they only drip out, like, two hours worth of it every two weeks. So if you're time poor and you can't keep up with the critical role, like, like demands and things or beyond number might be your gig um also you can like listen to it in the car or in your headphones i am not getting paid to say this um anyways <laughs> uh true fan loving the stuff that he's doing um in particular i wanted to to uh highlight and discuss with you a little bit uh a couple of the really interesting uh first character development mechanisms they're using and then this like really new different way that they're doing rolling with 2d20s mm. um which i think again this is this is all stuff you can bring to your very own 5e table they are playing 5e but with you know a, a level of their own customization they got a new class called witch um and but otherwise they're playing a wizard and a paladin so no nothing too kooky mm. there um and yeah they're using using sort of you know otherwise you know rules as as we know them mm-hmm. um but, you know, everybody's free to do stuff at their table to, to kind of tweak things. And especially when you're playing with experienced players, you can you can have some bit more fun with stuff. Um, well, I think what makes it quite interesting is many of us may have tried a sort of a session zero or prequel type game, perhaps, where, you know, the before the characters became heroes, where were they? What were they doing? And I think that's actually can be a really lovely way to sort of help set up who the characters are particularly if somehow in their backstory they've all got hmm. a relationship somehow maybe they've known each other since they were kids or younger yeah um or as apprentices or whatever uh and so this idea that you're doing character creation through role play rather than just sitting there on D beyond and plugging in the numbers and thinking maybe I, my character knows dwarvish because this is a dwarven setting campaign, sure. or just because whatever Luxodon sounds funny. <laughs> yeah, my character knows Minotaur. Um. So, so yeah, why idea, not? I'll give him Herbalist. So kit. the idea is you know. got you've got a level zero character. Sure. Maybe in this case they were kids, and so 
at this point you have no class you've got and even if you've got race maybe you don't even fully have racial all your racial abilities yet maybe they mm. haven't all grown you haven't grown into it all yet um which you include if you're a very human and we're going to take a feat maybe you haven't that hasn't developed mm-hmm. yet right and you'll get all these things on your character sheet by the time like this little mini character creation arc is done and you could do this in once over one game or over several um and the idea would be that yeah you're not even starting out with your full stat block either mm-hmm. uh you're starting off instead by rolling well essentially you're going to keep just 2d6 so you're going to roll for all your stats so no no optimization whatsoever right so it's just flat across the board you've yet to specialize let's say yeah so the way he would do it though is since the characters still kind of know where the players want know where they kind of want their characters going Mm -hmm. that what instead they would do is allow them say you you know you're going to be a wizard to pick two stats you'll likely pick like intelligence and dex or maybe intelligence and constitution right and for those two blocks you get to roll 46 keeping the highest two right and then of the other two, choosing the next highest one. And you keep that in brackets sort of on your character sheet as a reserve number. Everything else you roll 3d6, keeping the best two and putting the third one in a bracket as a reserve number. Then what you get to do is, as you're, you know, as you're going through various role playing, and you come across any instances, um, so you don't, at this point, you've got no proficiency bonuses either. Zero proficiencies, zero skills, kind of nothing um so you got to remember as a dm if you're running things like this for the example that brennan was doing the big bad that they generally had to deal with was a goat mm-hmm. right the goat on the the granny's farm was the most difficult thing they had to contend with um and and oh my goodness like i i've never seen a farmyard goat become such an eldritch eldritch being level of horror and fear for one of the the pcs um, right. who had to try and feed it every day um it was hilarious and uh, just such a good time but you know here's somebody who's going to try and make a you know a stealth check to get into the yard based off of decks with just a 2d6 mm. um which at a maximum is, is gonna give you yeah you might get a plus yeah, one most you've got plus one maybe but it's likely to be zero or minus one or seven yeah. Minus two. <laughs> uh, yeah, it could be that too. Heck, you could That's be... That's the uh, average result. Now. I would actually... Well, I guess drop lowest would be I suppose you higher, could but. technically have two. Um, although I would... I wouldn't... I'd, I'd let all the characters have three as a minimum score on that. Mm. Um, so, so yeah. So you've got sort of these reserve numbers then. And then what happens is later on, as they decide to, to develop that portion of their character, say it's a strength day or whatever, and you're like, okay, so... You know, as you're developing this part of it, roll your strength dice. Mm. And so you roll another D6. And now it basically, you already know what you've got in reserve. You already know what that little reserve bracket number is. Maybe it was a two. Right. Um, maybe your strength at this point is you're sitting at a pretty happy eight. And you know you got a two in the, the bracket. So you'll there. get to ten. Uh, you know, see so if you beat beat the, the two. Um, that'll become the. Yeah, that'll be your thing. So you roll the dice in that moment. You're like, come on. And boom, you land a six, maybe, and you're like, woohoo, my strength's 14. Will be 14. Uh, yeah. 
um, or exactly on your main character sheet. Now, and again, they were sort of doing the same at this, like, do you, do you choosing to have this right now? Or is this going to come in later? Or, and this is whatever, depending like how short or long your arc for your character mm-hmm. creation is. Um, but it's a lovely idea. Like they were sort of like, yeah, he wouldn't be quite that strong yet, but that's where he'll get to. Um, and, uh, or sometimes though they did pick it up right away. Like their dexterity for evading the goat, I think, um, when that became a thing, like it was like, nope, I got that now. I am like a speedy little kid who can like weave and dodge and stuff. And you're like, okay, fair enough. And you just carry that with you into adulthood. Mm. Um, so I think those things are kind of interesting. And then also just seeing how racial traits might come in at a certain point as well. Like um, particularly ones that are more magical. Like if you have sort of like, say the fur bulg, um, your ability to perhaps, uh, you know, carry twice as much or to turn invisible or something like that you might you know those things might get delayed if you're playing a child character mm-hmm. um or if you're more of an adult one you know maybe again this is you'd never really tried to do this thing until this emergency came up but now you are trying to do it and, and it shapes you in an interesting way yeah. that maybe you weren't expecting so character creation is part of the character fantasy that you were initially imagining and this adventure that's unfolding because i think ultimately it's even true of playing the game right i think part of the excitement comes from the fact that our characters will develop in unique ways that we're not quite expecting you know we don't know how their story will play out and why can't that be true of the character creation process as well i mean i think of games where either you know you think of maybe elden ring right you open the title screen and you get to pick what your starting class is and you're kind of just given everything that will initially define you out the game out the gate right you're kind of stats spread out whatever right but you do have the opportunity down the line to change it and whatnot and as you're adventuring but there's also other games who take a different approach and they think no the tutorial will be intertwined with well and i've seen your character characters too like they've they every time i sort of check in you'd be like completely different armor new weapon new Mm -hmm. look new something and be like oh we've changed that up can't really do that in D &D, but uh no but it, it I think that process, though, sometimes of going into it thinking, okay, this is the character I'm going to make. Now, sometimes we're just playing a, you know, a, a short-term game campaign or something, and everybody's like, okay, make a character for, like, level six, and boom, you know, we, we go, right? But this yeah. was an interesting way of being a little bit more thought out on backstory and how you got there and, you know, sort of childhood connections and fears and when they decide to choose their mm. feats. Interesting, and two of them are variant humans. The idea was that they hadn't actually, maybe in the back of their mind, they had some ideas for what their feats would be. Um, but instead, they cho- both chose, um, and this isn't really a big spoiler of any sort, but they both cho- chose um, observant, uh, but different ways. Um, mm. One using wisdom, one using intelligence. Yeah. And, and it was part of the story process, you know, of them you know, sharing experience, but from different perspectives of, of a, you know, burgeoning young wizard and a blossoming young witch and um you know this their different approaches to how magic worked in the world or how they perceived um things and i I just love that you know the way that the role play suddenly informed a little bit more of the character build and they weren't maybe super optimized and that they were suddenly taking things that were a little bit maybe less like were a bit more random and less like planned to be like the super build yeah right um, but yet not terrible ideas, you know, and no. for builds well, anyways, and at least, frankly, like, it gives the you the decision isn't your... based on mechanics. It's based on story, right? Yeah. Which I think for some tables is definitely maybe preferable, right? When you're making a character, 
there's obviously the idea, which is really important, and the backstory, and your background, and ideals, and flaws, and bonds, and whatnot that I'm some tables really like, right? Yeah. But when it comes to all the mechanic stuff, yeah, just you know, pick something that works, you know, or even they might even min max a little bit because they want to tell a story and feel like a hero in that story, right? Yeah. But if you can make the character creation process, especially for a story heavy table, very interactive and almost random and part of the way that we build adventures from the ground up, I think it could be a really unique approach to building things that we've never seen before. And we typically, you know, search through all the options in D&D Beyond to try and get something random or new or fresh yeah. feeling, right? Maybe that can be achieved through this kind of adventure. You start with blank slate almost, right? You have an idea of the kind of story you want to tell, maybe a classic sort of rags to riches or a kind of, you know, personal struggle, you know, you want to role play through this character and see how they grow and resolve conflict and whatnot, right? And so you pick, let's say, you want them to be a spellcaster, maybe a, maybe a cleric, right? Maybe you think they're, they haven't found their, their god or the thing that they worship. Or maybe or they have been for a while, but they are really quite or, yeah, connected maybe in that big way. Their the parents were, or they encountered a priest in town that yeah. put them at the start of this path that they're trying to get in touch with. Maybe for the very first time, they utter their first prayer to the deity from which then on they will derive their source of power, right? Yeah. And become a champion of. Um, what could that look like? You know, maybe the spells they pick and always have prepared you know, are reflective of some of those early days and, yeah. you know, the early experiences they had where their prayer saved them in an instance where that sleep spell really came in clutch or that, and, you know, and this is kind of what happened ceremony in this, in this was game important. as well. They, they, the young characters found their first cantrips mm. um, a little bit by, a little bit by accident almost. They just through play or through acts of caring and loving for each other, um, trying to protect each other, um, things sort of came out that they didn't have sort of, you know, before mm. they started. And I love that idea too, that, you know, these, these things are, are developing. Um, and, and again, maybe you end up getting with a cantrip that is way different than what you thought it would have been. Yeah. Maybe you um, had no idea you were going to end up a shopping grasp. You thought I'm going to be a full on pyromantic style character. And then you get zapped by a lightning bolt and you don't know what to do. Um, that's a fun idea for a sorcerer. I've always loved the idea that it's like, they just got hit with lightning one day. Yeah. Like, and maybe now, there's something supernatural to it, but you can never really tell. it's all tell. like it's lightning just, damage, maybe. And then it's go, Psss, they've got these big scars on them. And it's like, oh, do you see some terrible elemental? No, it's got hit by lightning when I was very young. Um, yeah, you can do the same with languages in it as well. I mean, if you're playing at a point where the mm. characters, and I actually, I love this idea for, to be honest, the idea that maybe our characters aren't just fully fluent in languages they're part it's half proficiencies are developing I like that, that clock I, idea that we had i know episode, i kind of right? like the idea that you can like maybe we give people a few more languages but they're not that good in all any of them or well, they've got their mother tongue ways. and maybe um and there could be a bilingual feat where so, you're fully fluent so the other thing is like so it would be a... funny you imagine like the idea that you go into a cave the troll and somebody's like ah uh, who here speaks giant and you're like uh, i got a little bit and you know, like somebody's, and maybe yeah. you out there listening have a little bit. I got a little bit of French, and I mean, it's a little bit. I can't, I can't do conversations. I can ask for like basic directions, what time of day it is. Key like I can say hello. Maybe. I can be polite. I can say thank you. Um, I can point to something and say, "May I have one of these, please?" Like it's pretty bad. Like that's it. Um, mm. And 
you know, or my Cantonese where it's like largely like turn right, turn left, stop here. Like it's, um, mm. so again, if you know that much in giant and you're like, okay, there's a troll and maybe, maybe we can like, maybe Convince we can get past this. Us. We can like, yeah, maybe there's something we can work a deal. Or here. maybe it's just, and we're <laughs> trespassing on stuff and we, we want to, we tend to de-escalate we, things. Again, so maybe, you, you maybe, give it's it a, maybe it's intelligent enough not to just eat this You want right to give it a shot, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, let me try. <laughs> and and so then there's like this whole like this this whole bit of you know you trying to speak a broken language like the idea that we're fluent in everything that's in our character sheet i don't know i i mm. i think we should have some i think there's more fun role playing it when it's not really yeah and that you can like you it would also limits your character in terms of like how big of ask are well, we there's really more going levels for. of proficiency right like you think about conversational proficiency or fluent proficiency or yeah. you know like cereal box proficiency yeah you know, exactly or, I, I don't know you need to find a term for choppy kind of I know, like, like a few words duolingo uh yeah I, beginner I did, level i did i did do a week of duolingo how what can i say <laughs> to the troll um, and then comprehend languages becomes a truly good spell yeah or tongues. because yeah. or tongues or something because like, it makes you fluent for a whole hour for every language that's crazy i mean it's already a very good spell for those sort of situations but yeah you know what I mean? I mean, then it's like not just, hey, I can kind of speak some dwarvish. It's yeah. like, no, I will fully understand you for. And, and this is. But you want to understand. And this me. could be it's part of the character build sort of thing as well. Right. Like the idea that maybe a, your young wizard as you're learning new spells or something, maybe you're again talking about how do you, do you come across the spells that are in your spell book and you're an evocation wizard. And, you know, as much as you really wanted to fireball the troll. That's wasn't like mm. wasn't really in your your list of things to do. No. So you instead were like, okay, tongues, let's do this. Well, tongues is pretty high level spell, but all right, but you know, comprehend languages. Comprehend. Let's say. But you know what I'm saying? Like it, it's yeah. Uh, but the idea that you, you know, try to your your character is, you know, you're trying to be in f like you like, or how did you decide evocation? Like yeah, maybe, maybe in a moment like that, you were like. Like your your whole I wish instinct I knew so is much like more. the the spell I need oh, that I will have one day will be evocation or you know, will be tongues will be tongues or divination or, divi or, or something you know and I'd just be like you know, find then a you're way. Then you're beginning to set goals for yourself as a wizard. Like I want to learn this spell yeah. or this kind of magic. Yeah, this and is what this I want is the school I do. want to be a part of or whatever. And just sort of leaning into that stuff where you're you know part of the creation process. And I've done this a little bit even with a character once which as we were leveling up um, because of the environment it was in things like that suddenly I was like deciding to take I decided to take at one point like a, a whole level like get, dip into ranger which was never part of my character creation plan initially sure at all but when you find yourself you know what we are like in a desert situation mm. um, I've got a rogue you know character that was going to always be sort of a fighter rogue um, sort of my favorite builds um, so throwing a little ranger in with it mm. wasn't like a nutball idea. I mean, I'd never really done. I don't typically do three class characters. I mean, that's a little a little wacky, but a little out there. Um, but suddenly, the idea of having somebody whose favorite terrain was desert on a world that was largely all desert seemed pretty smart, actually. Um, especially since we've just spent the last, you know, how many adventures lost in the freaking desert. It sort of felt like one of those things that, as he'd been like spending more and more time out there, that he's like suddenly beginning to master it. It sort of felt the a elements. little bit like Dune somehow. Like I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, 
spend enough time in the deep desert, baby, and like you come out with some skills. Yeah. Um, and I like that actually. This idea that maybe your role play informs how you build your character. I think there's an interesting element of blending mechanics with role play in terms of character progression in Blades in the Dark as well, because yeah. XP is gained through a number of ways. The principal three that's the same for every character class being one you roll a desperate action which is like the stakes are high right, right. it's a kind of action where if you fail really bad things are going to happen you don't need to succeed or fail that role when you make a roll in a given attribute of which there are three and then subsets for skills you get a little check mark of experience in that particular attribute so you track xp for your character in general but also for each of your attributes and once you get enough XP accumulated and let's say the resolve or whatever it's called, you can then put a little point into one of those little subskills, right? And so you are developing a certain type of attribute by doing it in game, right? And it's a similar idea to, I think, you know, Brennan's idea of if something comes up where a strength related element thing, and then you add that D6 and see if you can beat it because yeah. your strength is being advanced right and when we they, see that but that doesn't stop in childhood we're no. growing as people all the time and, and right? the same same gets added if you want to at some point decide where your skills are going to be hmm. your tools um you know maybe your background gets sort of picked through this, but even this the, process too yeah i mean the idea that leveling is one way of doing progression that everything yeah. increases when you level up or that things have their own XP trackers, right? Sure. That develop as you go like, along. And right? I, I like that in some games too, that have got skill trees. Mm. So it's just like, you know, the idea that maybe you gain a little, like we automatically just like, oh, you get full proficiency in this thing. But the game does have like three levels of proficiency. You can get half proficiency, full proficiency and expertise, right? Well, some people might say that the proficiency is actually kind of outdated for terms of long-term progression because it's just tied to level. The yeah. only way you get better is by leveling up. It's the only thing yeah, that yeah. happens. Pathfinder takes a completely different approach with training levels, right? Yeah. You go from completely untrained to trained to, you know, yeah, yeah. proficient to expert there to is, master to legendary. Is, there is some and talk that the, these, that this is coming in in the new updates to the rule set right. for D&D. &D. Instead of having everything you're good at scale with one proficiency bonus, yeah. you have different levels of proficiency sure. with a bunch of different things that increase with class. Like maybe you're sure. expert in heavy armor but only trained in medium armor or vice versa right well, I, i've often we, we've talked a little bit about this but in the past as well what do you do with downtime and mm -hmm. i like the how adventure league would essentially award downtime as like an extra currency to for characters to decide right. what to do with it for and that's great especially for wizards right and people like your know, artificers and it's like well i can use my downtime to make magic items or craft the uh, cool things or whatever mm -hmm. Um, for fighters and stuff, it's like, well, I can use some time to go to the fighting pits and make some money, I guess, or yeah. I can go carousing or something. Um, but the, uh, but why not, you know, the idea of training, like, can I use my downtime to train up? Uh, a thing. And a, I think a, that should happen no matter skills. what you do. Carousing, you're refining your charisma or gaining new information, yeah. whether that be of languages or of skills or of sure. relevant topics that progress backstory um, elements, of, right? Of persuasion, of relationships with other people, whatever. right? Those could be clocks. And then again, relating back to the idea of clocks, yeah, if yeah. you've got these things for, hey, once you fill up this 10 point clock your strength score goes sure. up by one it, it basically right? like creating little loyalty stamp cards for your players exactly um that have you could actually have like little instructions on one side that when your player engages in such and such an activity and what in such a way you gain a stamp 
And I love a stamp card idea like that as mm. a way for, you know, p players to be like actively thinking each time they're at the table, how I'm going to grow my character. How am I going to have them making actions and choices that lead them towards collecting another stamp? Yeah. And, and so or, you, you make the so stamps I think that's related even, to the and things I think that's that they even do, really right? good for players who aren't naturally good actors or things like that. They've, they've got external motivating with this little card sitting in front of them and Every night they're thinking, I got to get my stamp tonight. Mm. How am I going to do it? And or before you know it, what the fighters. What am I trying to get stamps in yeah. tonight? So right? this, well, the, the, exactly. And the stamps, like I said, it could be making you a better um, carouser or it could make, be making you a way better pit fighter. During downtime, um, the barbarian's goal is to become the strongest warrior in the, the land. Pump and iron. How, are they using their downtime to work out to, to yeah train to, to bulk, up. bulk their bodies eating, up eating and lots of protein you know yeah maybe the kinds of rations they're choosing to eat they carry a cow and then they the, eat it yeah or like again are they make did they roll a nat one on a strength check that tested them in a way that they weren't expecting and yeah. made them stronger for it maybe. i mean they failed the chest but yeah, yeah. now they know how to get stronger and how to grow themselves well i do like right? that too often rewarding people with like we would often say inspiration for a failed thing, but what if instead on fails like that you gain a stamp? You gain well you, stamps or ticks or yeah, you, growth or sometimes, XP sometimes or terrible, them, horrible right? failures that result in bad things happening to you in game. Again, there's learning in that, and your little learning uh, card or clock or whatever you want to keep track of it. And once that fills um, up, you get a point in strength or yeah. a point in a level of proficiency in something yeah. or, or uh, half beginning to get in fluency. You, didn't, you, know, or, you try and talk um, with a halfling and you spend the afternoon trying to learn and converse and whatever these things and maybe you begin to pick up a little bit of halfling in the process right yeah. or you spend the afternoon as a cleric helping and healing the local halfling villagers and as you do so you begin to pick up on some specific words and phrases that you hear over and over again and i even imagine making up a card like this that is kind of a little bit of a stock phrase on the back but it has blanks in it that the player can fill in yeah, with little their own little and goals, and I know you've done goal-oriented stuff goal for players before. But what if before. yeah, players set it? So the players decide what their what their stamp card's going to be yeah. about. And maybe you and give then, them the triggers or the yeah. things you need to do to yeah, you set the triggers, put the stamps set. in these clocks, and yeah. the players take role-play actions to progress that. And I could see then tables that are really struggling with role-play, rather than just generic milestones towards things. Yeah. They're very specific things that players have chosen that they want to get better at. And yeah. maybe even war game, you know, the people who are motivated by getting their min-max stats as high as possible kind of understand that role-playing is in their interests, right? Yeah. They set the goals to make their character build strong and, you know, it, it makes sense for fighters can, who want ways, to, you know, if you've wizards got that of, want to become more powerful or whatever exactly. it is, right? If you've got enough of these things linked um, then rather than leveling the up, game, well, yeah. yeah, you can do away with ASIs wherever they are on the, get rid the of leveling it. up charts, and, and instead, get rid of levels altogether. I'd say no. You, well, I suppose. I mean, you can you could essentially set activity clocks that, if the players do enough of, of various things, they gain features from or, their again, class. It's about a player deciding I want to learn more spells. Let's start a spell learning yeah. clock, right? So I mean, levels basically are hit points and proficiency bonus and growth class like, features and, and class and yes but like i said we could from time to we time could gain class features through other means and things and scaling the abilities. idea of when you sure. give more hit points is a bit of a curious question and maybe often like those milestones if you're doing it by milestones you're probably providing the extra hit points about the time the monsters well what if you just make it every time you fill a clock more. you get your max hp increases by one or two yeah just each time you fill a clock 
your HP gets a little bit, a little bit better, a little bit chunkier, a little bit chunkier, because right? you know a little bit more what you're doing. You have a little bit more reason to fight. Yeah. You have more to lose. You have yeah. more to keep standing for, right? Yeah. And that's just a general justification sure. for well, if you need it more HP frequently, forget about the extra dice. Well, and then there's always scaling con too is another way to con do it. Is, how do you get more that con? Goes to, how do you get that? Well, I, con, I mean, how sure. do you get more con? You just say I want to make, I want to get stronger, I want to get more robust. Maybe no, you just... spend the night drinking in the tavern, and that <laughs> makes you a little bit more resolute. Or it makes your health worse. I'm not sure. Well, uh, uh, yeah, but you're testing. Um, you're, you're pushing yourself, and you're, you're growing, and your ability to handle uh, a drink. I don't know. Whatever. The yeah, I, I suppose again, you can decide how you want to make the hit points work, and a lot of that, really making sure your players have got adequate hit points for the monsters you're fighting, or mm. the monsters do adequate damage for the hit points your players have. That stuff's all pretty adjustable. Anyway, I mean, there's even points though of balancing where people complain that, you know, my monsters, the players have too much hit points. I can't ever mm. get them low enough anymore because of the things that they have that unless I tweak the numbers that are then so ridiculously high that, you know, whatever, right? Yeah. I, well, the truth is that it, the math problem's all relative about the same. On average, your fights, I mean, they get longer the higher level levels you go because everything's got just a lot more hit points in it. And it's fun dealing back and forth and rolling big piles of dice and adding up my dead 80 points of damage. It sounds like fun. And like, you know, if you yeah. like if you doing like a lot numbers, of addition. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, largely the same thing mechanically is happening, right? You go around the table, everybody takes turn using their powers. And those some can be very fantastical powers as you get higher up. And some people fail. To, <laughs> you know, um, to, to try and eliminate the threat that's on the table before the threat on the table eliminates you yeah um and typically you go around the table five times maybe six times before that bit of the game mm. is resolved um at higher levels maybe you go around a few more times because the hit point piles are so much bigger but you're it's also true. doing so much more damage so uh, in terms of you know, how long should it take? Is it getting too draggy? Is there ways to expedite it? And we, you know, have been talking a lot about different ways to make those encounters. So they're not all just about the hit points. Yeah. And so in some ways, you know, if you do want to kind of tweak this game a little bit, you can kind of tweak the the hit point damage uh, well, sort that's of equation. Always, sure. Um, and keeping it, you know, in some ways, if the players are just gaining their constitution modifier worth of hit points every once in a while when they do something good mm. or as, as they sort of gain new skills or whatever that's probably enough if you're doing it say frequently and they're gaining two or three hit points here or there and that's sort of scaling up and then yeah again you just you keep an eye on about where they are because if you don't have levels you know i suppose for wizards it becomes a bit of a spell slot issue how do you get more spell slots when do you get add those? But I guess you can add those as you see fit, like when the wizard gains intelligence to do so. It's when they sorcerers, gain sorcerers, if you move to our sorcery points idea, you can add, give them more sorcery points whenever again they get well, a little bit I more I mean, powerful. if it's tied to attributes, then they naturally increase it through that, or they make it a specific focus. I want to, I want to improve my ability. To, I want to be able to cast more spells each day, right? And yeah. so I make a bar to progress how much drag and these aren't all the same size i'd imagine proficiency or a level of proficiency in athletics is probably not as valuable as a whole point in strength right yeah. and so 
maybe that clock is shorter or smaller given it's more specific and yeah. an easier goal to reach right than generally increasing strength which we think is you know every four levels and in, in typical dnd right yeah. and then by redesigning the system to work out levels completely it's forget about xp and milestones it's about personal progression right yeah. it's about setting what it is that you want to level up and then working towards those things you want a feat sure the player names the feat they want you set out actionable triggers that will set progress meters towards achieving that, some of which may be more difficult than others. Maybe some are must-dos. You must do this thing eventually if you want to achieve this, And it's right? quite possible that your your character might abandon that stuff at some point as well mm -hmm. as characters change and develop. And this is where, you know, coming back to Brennan's sort of zero-level character development, mm -hmm. maybe through story, you suddenly your character realizes what I really want isn't that. What I really want is this other thing now, mm. and and they start a new sort of a new card, new clock towards those sorts of you know that sort of development, and maybe, maybe they, they come like back, a, and maybe yeah. in the arc of things, ages later, they come back to that thing that they started early on that they thought they'd sort of abandoned, and then yeah, and then there's some like really dramatic moment where they sort of finish off that training or maybe there's like, a part dun, dun, dun. of that sort of letting something go right you've worked yeah. so hard towards this that it's like hard to let go and you just gotta go no i need to i need yeah. to move on i i need to focus on something else this is not yeah. this is not me this is not you know i'm doing this for someone or you know those classic tropes and stories right that yeah. i'm working towards this thing you know it's just my destiny or what yeah others laid out for me or this is not what i want to be anymore right and then you you ditch it or things you've already progressed maybe you go you know, we can let these skills atrophy a little bit and well, maybe shift an, towards that's something an idea else, too. right? Like, that's I'm a whole sick of being that's a, a fighter. Whole, that's a whole other mechanic as well. Like, what if, you, what if you, you know, use it or lose it? Or idea. a warlock, again, that wants to break their pact. That's the clock they're working towards. That one's a classic. You know, that one of, of any character, the most, the most sort of common warlock is, you know, or most common, like, sort of class breaker like there's yeah. the oath breaker paladin but it isn't it's such a kind of a weird one and again maybe multi-classing is now easier the right? warlock definitely who wants to decide to get out from underneath their contract and yeah. now then that one makes a lot of sense because a lot of warlocks who, whose power comes from very dubious sources and they go i'm um, sick of this and i'm out I get me out of here yeah and you could then there's maybe a a clock to get rid of them or maybe that just comes through the story and then there's another clock where you want a multi-class but instead of getting every single first level feature that class gets yeah you build it slowly you pick, hey, maybe I want to start with, yeah. you know, divine body or healing or whatever, you know, lay on hands or and whatever the, it is that pushes you in that direction. If you're raising first at home right? and our clock thing and you haven't heard the episode. So this idea is essentially that as a DM, you sort of find a little tracking device of some sort to help. And you could just write it down as a circle with segments, like yeah. a little cutting up a pizza um, or a little we bar. Like it. We like it as a visual thing on the table in front of you as like something you turn the little dial and it moves it or you slide or slider or it could have, like I said, you could have little stamps that move it it's up. It's just or, a marker of progress. Uh, a marker of progress of some sort. Um, and it's fun if it's kind of visual and it's on the table and it's kind of fun if you know what, like people know what, well, maybe not, they don't always know the triggers, but anyways. You can or go even what the, the, I mean, I like to go, tell them what the marker is. You can is, go but. listen to the episode and hear our our sort of deeper talks on it but mm. the um but yeah once you sort of get your head around it it's a wonderful way to sort of keep um to sort of keep a lot of different things sort of on the move at once um and i hadn't really thought about it in the sense that like we were using it for 
plot and story development. But today, and as we're sort of looking at it in this one, I think it's a wonderful mechanism as well for character development. Yeah. Um, leveling up, a new leveling, kind of leveling up. And that's not just everything goes up at the yeah. same time, but you as a player are choosing what your character is focusing on developing. And maybe it can't be everything. You can't just decide to have every clock and running at the it, same I time. I think it's a great tool. You're stretching from, yourself too thin. From game to game, especially sometimes if your games are farther apart in time-wise, to be able to come back and sort of see counters and stuff where they're at where, where they're of course you got to make right? sure if you do have counters that the thing could move on that you somehow record where it, yeah you it, take pictures or of things write it and down where they're so going and but the idea then is that yeah that there's this visual representation of how well are we doing and where are we moving forward to things and also gives you as a dm a way to provide setbacks that aren't just oh you lose hit points or maybe you, your character dies you, you let your clocks can get moved back by, by maybe, disaster maybe situations. Maybe a lingering injury um, makes it much harder to develop. Maybe it add, maybe forget the removing ticks. What if you add, the clock becomes larger. The yeah. task becomes harder than you'd initially sure. expected. And the amount of progress you've made, yeah, that progress isn't gone, but you're going to need a lot more than you initially thought. Yeah. You know, given this setback. And that's such a great classic story thing as well. You're like, I'm doing great, I'm doing great. And then you realize that actually... We're over the mountain. Oh, you, the false, this is only the false the summit mountain. problem is that you get over the top of that and then you realize that it was blocking the true top, which is actually 10 times more than what you You got to Everest Base Camp. And you're like, oh, crap. Uh, okay, we're going to have to... We're actually, and that's and that's such a great story sort of thing of then like doubling down and refiguring things out and mm. putting a new longer-term strategy in place. And, and I think those sorts of things for, you know, for players in campaign settings... Um, it, it also makes it somehow, you know, those sorts of things, it makes the character more invested, I think, as well. And, you know, you're combining two things, a character-driven decision-making that then aligns with the, the, the campaign level story that you're also trying to, to drive forward. So, mm. um, and, but the two things can sort of inform each other. Yeah. Uh, so. Cool. There, there is one other thing, uh, sort of a little bonus content if you've stuck around this long, mm. um, that uh, I want to bring up from Worlds Without Number as well. And that's this kind of new way that he's been rolling D20s. Right. Um, uh, have, to be honest, I've only seen them do it once. but And there's some chatter around the internet. Like Other people have noticed it too and went, damn, what, what's Good this idea. thing? So uh, everybody's familiar with how you roll with advantage or disadvantage, right? Right. You roll two d twenty, and if you're rolling with advantage, you take your you choose the highest one. Disadvantage closest to twenty, essentially. Yeah, essentially or closest, closest to twenty. To one. And if you roll disadvantage, you've got to pick the one that's closest to one. Exactly. And we've done we've done an episode that broke down stats down on this and everything, and how like insanely yeah. good your odds are if you're doing that, or bad if you're on disadvantage. Mm -hmm. So Brennan and his kind of crazy super wisdom. Um, he has this one where he was like basically having the role for like an emphasis, a dramatic effect of something that's going to be either really good, really, or really, really good. Bad. This is either going to be a stroke of mad genius or this is the worst idea ever. And there are, I think, moments in stories where we, that happens all the time. It's the, you know, two people flying at each other and which one when they're, you know, which one will fall when the. Or it's the. It's, it's you know, that time that your player goes, okay, and it sounds like crazy. But what if we get a rope yeah, and then we'll we do this and we go to that thing over there and then we <laughs> run it back to this and then we light that on fire. Either it's... And you're like, hmm, all right, well, this is genius. 
or it's the dumbest idea ever. It's like the fine line between clever and stupid. Yeah. Um, or lucky and yeah. Uh, and so you roll two d twenty, and you pick the one that's furthest from ten. Mm -hmm. So that could either be a nineteen, right, or it could be the one. Yeah. Uh, or you know, depending which of the two dice, how far the the spread is on mm. it. Um. And, and the idea is that again we're choosing the one the farthest away. So again, this is going to make the odds of it either being really good or really bad much more. Where being in the middle, um, having a rolling a ten is less likely. Like getting a, uh, and the idea is if you roll two numbers at exactly the same distance away, then you re-roll again. Re-roll, or you could do variance on that where you take the lower or higher. Yeah. Uh, it, if if you don't, if you just do the re-roll thing, it actually statistically works out where it, it's in your favor. Not by a lot, but by a margin that you will do better because there are no, more numbers above 10 than there are yeah, below there's 10. there's one more number up there, so it, it helps. Um, so so I think that's a fun one to try and work into, uh, again, into situations that maybe even are character-building moments mm. where they're they're really sticking their neck out, trying something like, is new. Is this going to go really well and um, define you? Or is this moment going to... Or, or maybe it goes really wrong and still defines you. Or maybe, hey, but, that's how characters get flaws right exactly. a clock that they perhaps don't want a clock <laughs> yeah. that will lead to something else something um, else developing <laughs> yeah uh so i think these are you know this these are a few these are some of the new tools that i'm bringing um to D, &D now that i think are a real um a real game changers in many ways like they really evolve how i mean the rest of the game runs the same as normal but it's just the way we, we track progress, the way we develop characters, the way we have stories being rolled by the dice by with extreme swings and things, getting away from stuff where it always has to be about the hit points. And the and it's not to say that the fights and things aren't a part of the game. They, in fact, they still should be. I love them, um, including all the stuff we've ever talked about, about you know the environment in which fights are taking place and making it dynamic and all sorts of cool things to be going on, but also creating ways for characters that aren't you know big into dishing out hit points that they can contribute to the to the solving of that encounter that the resolving of that encounter um and maybe in the process they those choices they make are things that benefit their character development mm. um that sort of those sorts of combinations of ideas of layering that stuff together i think for makes this a, an even more interesting tabletop game yeah Absolutely. Pulling from all corners, whether it be other interpretations of D&D, &D, other systems, I think um, always new, like things that we challenge our assumptions. Because again, why do we, when we level up, progress everything? Why does everything get better in terms of like Honestly, all the aspects of, I, of I know, character? I know the answer to that is just because it's, it's easier. Easy. It's simpler, <laughs> right? But it's, it's, it wasn't OSR that way too, where if you were to level up, your hit points go up and you sure. get a new feature and everything scale. Everything that scales with level, well, it's, just, it's all tied it was, to character level, crazy right? back then, no, it was all tied to experience points, right? And right. each class had different experience points it needed to level up. And so how you awarded experience points, I mean, benefited. So there was no level, it was just experience? Well, yeah, there was levels, but right, each okay. level had a set experience. Like now everybody's experience points moves if you need to do an XP moves system, at the same rate moves I at the same rate some classes but move at different wizards rates. needed more than fighters did which is terrible because wizards at low level sock yeah um and but i don't i don't dislike the idea of dynamic progression which is i think what we're talking about here mm. as well where some characters if they're really 
you know the players are really into what they're doing and stuff may be progressing faster mm. in some ways than the other characters are um and again that might ebb and flow like there might be certain arcs of the story that one character is really you know shining much more in it's their their sort of they become more the main character of that arc but then as you move into another one their character is more static for a while yeah, as other characters content, right as other characters then begin to catch up or maybe even go past them or maybe um, suddenly their goal becomes to help this other person achieve what they want right yeah. it's not about me anymore it's about you know how many stories are there like in are like that in vox machina or in whatever right sure. where the characters go hey i've got my stuff figured out now let's help yeah. this other person deal with their yeah guilt or trauma or vengeances or you know people who are take trying to take revenge on them or um and then maybe once that clock fills you aid towards another player's clock or advance yeah. the story event or things like that when, right? and i think these, this, this idea of having trackers of, of what's going on also is really great for players when they having to figure out from week to week so because i mean i've had notebooks mm. before that are just like okay these are all the subquests that we've like kind of started, started. or partly on yeah. or abandoned or haven't even looked at yet and these are a whole bunch of other clues that are kind of out there that we were kind of going to look check out at some point mm. and, and sometimes you know you can have a lot of stuff that you're like where are we with these these various things and you're not even quite sure like in the world with the dm even like how where are we with these things where sometimes if you've got a few more like visual aids as to sort of kind of where you stand with various sort of yeah. things you can then it's a little meta but you guys can kind of decide why don't we work on like doing this yeah and but that's also i think as meta as that might be that's or great for the do dm it metally, you know, yeah it's great for the dm when you're like when the party's like at the, the end of the thing and go oh this player is getting close to this yeah. maybe i should bring up this complication or sure add this beat to the or, story or the players that, just say very clearly like look what we want to do is we want to get this th this part uh, this yeah, thing well done. then let's do a little thing and then it's yeah. great for me because then i can as a dm prep stuff for that we can Absolutely like focus true. our time effectively. or again there's the players clocks which you could build sessions around or there's things that are happening in the world and i yeah. saw someone said the clock system is a great way to give people the idea that the world is progressing yeah. and living and, and changing happening and changing as things are going elsewhere and you can like, move it on them like that as well to also motivate that might change their personal goal sometimes too if yeah. they think well the universe at stake i can put my own thingy on hold for a hold bit. or like maybe there's a you have a feudal war time setting right Right, where there's two big kingdoms and maybe you've got this clock at the start of every session where you show this tug of war line between the two yeah. nations or the two kingdoms or the two whatevers and one that's advancing or one that's backsliding or you know yeah. I could see that being an interesting like oh things are changing you know maybe we should we shouldn't be in this place because it's weakening or losing or maybe we need to help these people or maybe yeah that's our side our side's winning or our side's losing or if they're allied with anything like that i think it could be an interesting approach to i agree getting people an impression of what the world is like and you could be like well how would they possibly know us town criers there's sure. information networks there's ways people know things absolutely i mean depending on your setting like eberron there's like newspapers i mean yeah there's loads of different ways you can decide you're gonna you know do this or just you know the local bar down at the pub is singing about it i mean yeah or maybe, yeah, you can only update your trackers once you settle down and get a little bit of downtime in yeah. a public location where you can kind of get the local gossip or yeah. what's going we gotta on. Find, we got to find a pub that's got a good bard in it. And we can get, the get a sense of what's going on yeah. in here. That could be an interesting approach to tracking those. Anyways, lots of ideas to play with. Character progression, story progression. 
yeah. thinking a little differently. Hope some of this is useful. And if you take nothing else from it, check out Worlds Beyond Number. Yeah. yeah Give those guys some love. I love it. Uh, what they're doing. It's really fantastic stuff. See you later, folks. Bye. Bye.